The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana, and Awana is powered by the gospel. Invest in resilient child discipleship today at awana.org slash for the gospel. Hello, thanks for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Cochran, and I'm glad you're here. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about MOPS, as in MOPS International or Mothers of Preschoolers. Odds are you've heard of MOPS, but if you're anything like me, you probably don't know much about it. You also might not know that Awana has a partnership with MOPS. How that plays out is if you join a MOPS group, you are going to be getting connected. You're going to be experiencing discipleship yourself. And while that's happening, your young kids are going to be introduced to Jesus. They're going to be being discipled through Awana. You can learn more about that partnership and MOPS in general via the links in the show notes. Today, I want to share with you part of my conversation with Sherry Crandall and Michelle Crowen. Sherry and Michelle both work for MOPS, and we talked about the misconceptions around the work that MOPS does around the world. And we spoke about how child discipleship can often start with a mom being discipled herself. The conversation begins with Sherry speaking about how coronavirus has impacted their organization and how their volunteers in particular have responded to the pandemic. But before we start, let me add one thing. Call your mom. I recognize that this is not an option for all of you, but if you're able to, call your mom. Seriously, right now, pause the podcast. We'll be here when you get back. Thank you for listening to the Resilient Disciples Podcast. For us, the biggest thing we wanted to first focus on what would remain the same. Okay, so there's a lot we can't meet in person because of all the restrictions and rules and things like that, but we still can connect. And that was the biggest thing. So we, we started there. We believe that mothering is a universal language. So no matter where you live, you know what it means to be a mom. Yeah. I can say something about a two-year-old temper tantrum. And before I can finish my sentence, Michelle would be like right in there with me and we could talk <laughs> about it, right? Yeah. And there's this even uh, playing field when it comes to mothering that no matter what your background is, your current socioeconomic status, your education level, whatever, mom's just like, that just levels you all out. And so we know that connection's the most important. So we started there knowing we still need to connect. Well, we just upped our game so hard with being online and with Zoom. And we created this mama meetup situation where we took just basically a MOPS meeting time. And we said, let's just put it online because really we just need to connect with each other. And mm-hmm. it's been so beautiful. So to, to help us sort of ground the mama meetup groups, we created the comeback tour. And so with our CEO, Mandy, who's a brilliant communicator, and we had special guests come in and we had worship. And I can honestly say we've reached more people within the time of COVID than we would have reached in a traditional mop share. Mm -hmm. Because churches were not allowed to be in the church right now. So we had to figure out moms are still needing to connect. And as a matter of Mm -hmm. fact, moms are super lonely right now, 
overwhelmed with trying to do school and not seeing their friends. And so to see each other online and then to create this beautiful um, series that they could watch and they could worship together with women all over the world, that's what we did. And we've been blown away by the numbers of people who responded and, and are really connected with us. It's been actually really a lot of fun, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's great. Michelle, um, I know that your scope is uh, a little bit more focused on just sort of the church community. And I think what's interesting mm-hmm. about what this moment for the church is that it has been a moment where there was that sort of initial conversation of, oh no, what do we do without a building? Yeah. But then very quickly, we all had to have a conversation, especially parachurch organizations like Awana, of like, wait, how do we actually take care of the people that were in a building that we were reaching mm-hmm. before? How have you been trying to reach the moms that you would otherwise connect in a church building now that you don't have that option? What is that? Maybe, maybe it's not even an extra step, but what has that process been like for you this year? Yeah, you know, it's really been interesting as our team has had conversations with pastors and moms, and we've seen just a huge increase of moms reaching out to us, trying to get information about how to start a mops group. And we, we talk to pastors all the time and they're looking for encouragement and they're looking for creative ways to do this right now. But we've been really encouraged by the amount of moms that have done exactly what Sherry said and are just looking for ways to connect and they're hungry for ways to connect. And so they're calling us and getting information and taking it back to their pastors. And so it's really been an interesting and very beautiful thing to see moms and pastors link arms in maybe a different way than it would have happened on a normal year to lean into that of, well, how do we still do this when we don't have a building? Because we still need that connection with one another. So that's, that's one of the interesting shifts that we've no, seen. That's interesting. And like, let's just, you know, let me just say a rare redundant thing of thank God for moms. Right. Because I think <laughs> if, if you, if you guys were dops, right. Which would be a whole different group. Uh, it would be, I don't think there would have been as much of dads calling you desperate for connection. Right. And I say that as a, as a card carrying uh, member of a dad club. Right. And I think <laughs> it's so great that, because I think a, a misconception would be that, you know, uh, Sherry, you were talking about the ways in which moms are, are like over, particularly overwhelmed right now, that that overwhelmed would lead to inaction. And what I'm hearing from you, Michelle, is that that overwhelmed has actually led to more action, more of mm-hmm. a increased desire to make sure that moms out there are well taken care of, that moms' moms mm-hmm. are um, well equipped and that folks who aren't previously connected to those organizations trust you guys and are like, mops is a way that I'm going to be able to get through this unprecedented time. Well, MOPS has been around for 47 years mm-hmm. and that is in and of itself, like Awana, like we are sort of legacy organizations, right? And mm-hmm. so when you say, I think maybe my mom did MOPS, well, there's a lot of generations now where we see that. And what's exciting is that we have this amazing volunteer team. And so mm-hmm. they're working the field all the time and they're telling people, hey, I know you can't go to your church right now, but you can join us online. So social media just went crazy. Uh, We did our part with Facebook and Instagram, Mm -hmm. but then the moms were the ones that were like, you know, sharing the link and come on, you need to be a part of this. And it was really neat because you would think like you were saying that it could be in action because they're overwhelmed. But when you get somebody else that says, I'm overwhelmed too, just join me. Let's Mm -hmm. watch this together. Let's talk about it. I really 
really count that we have this amazing volunteer team that help get the word out. And so I think that was a huge part of it. Yeah. And probably has felt more empowered, right? Has felt more empowered to reach out because they've seen that uh, they've seen the benefit of that in their own life. And now we're all sort of on the, in this weird level playing field where I'm talking to you guys through a computer screen rather than in a studio somewhere. Right. Uh, so it, it creates this opportunity where we otherwise wouldn't exist. What were you going to say, Michelle? Yeah, no, really just echoing Sherry's, Sherry's statement of it was amazing to watch moms just immediately hop into action. And so many of our leaders and coordinators that the mom that did want to, to lean into the inaction and the isolation to just pull them along to say, nope, we're not going to do that. Like we're going to stick together and we're in this together. Sure. And that's just, it's just been really encouraging to watch. Yeah. I want to ask about that. Cause I think you guys are in an interesting position as moms yourself, but also in this position to care for such a large and vitally important people group, right? Where you guys are uh, your mom experts, which I imagine is a, is a weird title to have on a business card. Um, like I sort of said in the beginning, I think there were some misconceptions that I had about what MOPS is for and what MOPS is actually all about. And Awana has been on this journey of, we've always been, been about child discipleship. In our 70 year history, that's all we've ever been about. But we would be the first to admit that there's been ways in which we've become too locked into the methodology rather than the mission. And I'm curious, you know, what do you guys feel is the biggest misconception with mobs? Like the biggest thing that you wind up having to sort of shout from the rooftops when someone finds out that where you work uh, to make sure that people understand exactly what your organization does and who it's for. It's a great question. I have mm -hmm. um, in the last year, someone said, Oh, mobs, they're still around. I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, what? Um, but as we started talking, I think that, um, the misconception is that MOPS really narrowed itself to uh, white, middle-class, stay-at-home moms. Mm. And we talk to all moms. And I've had the amazing, uh, I don't know how to even say it. It's just such a, a gift. I've been able to travel the world and see that MOPS works in Guatemala and MOPS works in Africa and MOPS works, you know, we're in 69 countries. And so, and we have our curriculum in 17 languages. So I think when they think, oh, it's just, you know, for the suburban moms down the street, it's not. And we're working very hard to reach those working moms and find ways mm -hmm. like with the mama meetup, they can start coming to MOPS because they can have a group that meets at night online. And a lot of the churches are working to have uh, MOPS for working moms during the weekend or in an evening. So I would say that we are broader than what people generally thought that we were. And that's mm -hmm. really important because we want our curriculum and everything to be um, available to the world, the world yeah. of moms. Absolutely. I would hope that ever, everyone who's taking the time to listen to the sound of my voice is also taking time to listen to themselves and what they're actually needing in such a crazy time. And odds mm -hmm. are what you're needing is a time to connect with people who have, who can help you, who can encourage you, who can equip you and are going through similar life experiences. You know, one of the mm -hmm. uh, hopeful things about a global pandemic was that it forced this universal experience on all of us, right? Yes. We are all living in response to the coronavirus, mm -hmm. regardless of what that looks like in your community. And I would hope that for moms, 
it also leads to a, oh, there is a lot of similarities and we are kind of all living the, the same thing out, right? Being a mom looks mm -hmm. very similar no matter what your context is. And that can be celebrated rather than create uh, opportunities for division. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to ask a question that's probably unfair. And uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> but why is this hard? Why do you think it's hard for moms in particular, just in the sense of you guys being able to speak, speak to the population that you serve, to take the time to get connected, to take the time to take care of themselves? You know, because I think sometimes folks, you know, I know that sometimes uh, it'll feel like, I don't, I'll, I'll say, say it this way. I don't want this conversation to feel like I'm adding something to a busy mom's to-do list, right? Mm. You got to do all of these things and now you got to get on a smoke because you know, you really should, right? Why is this such a challenge for some folks to remember that they need to do this for themselves? Yeah. That's a great question. And I think it's something that universally moms struggle with. And there's just something about motherhood. I, I will share with people, I, I love my work and it's important, but mothering my boys is the most important work that I will ever do. And so when you become a mom, you just give yourself to that. It's the highest calling that I feel in my life that, I, that God has given me the opportunity to lean into. And so I think it's so easy in that when you give yourself to this important work to not recognize that caring for yourself and connecting with other believers and taking the time to, to read the word and taking the time to have conversations and to encourage one another is such a vital part of that work. And so there's just something about it that when you take time for yourself or when you pour into yourself that we've started to think that that's lesser than or not as important. And in reality, it's so important because you will be a better mom being in community with other moms and taking that time to, to lean into what God might have for you at these moms groups. And so I, I think it's one of the most important things you can do as a mom to support yourself in being a better mom is to, 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 to remember who you are in Christ and as a, a, a woman in Christ, it's super important. You have to make time for yourself. And I think that the deadly part of women and moms as we have this mom guilt, if we, we took time for ourselves and we're not being a good mom, and then we have this comparison game, well, mm. gosh, Michelle can do all of these things and I can't, so I might not be as good of a mom. So I, I really tell them and show them simple ways that you can do this because it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing that you read about. Like you don't have to go to the spa every week in order to take care of yourself. You don't have to be teaching a Bible study and have the exegesis figured out for every book of the Bible. Like you just need to spend time with God and you can do that right where you are and just be mindful and grateful and I think those things everyone can do. And those are things that quite honestly are not comparative. So mm -hmm. when you start to do that for yourself, you, you start to not worry so much about how the other person is doing it. You just know that you have to care for that. And when you do that and model that for your kids, I'm, I'm a little farther down the road. As I, I said earlier, my kids are older. And it's really cool to try and model that for them and then see what they pick up out of it. Um, because I think that's important. We all, no matter where you're a mom or a dad, we, we need to care for ourselves and care mm -hmm. for our souls. Totally. 
And that's actually kind of where I want to lean into next is, you know, because obviously at Awana, you know, the title of this podcast is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, right? And we are focused on child discipleship. But what I see in the work that you will do every day is an investment in exactly what you're referring to, Sherry. It's an investment in making sure that you yourself are well discipled and how yes. that can be modeled to your kids. Because um, we know that the most influential discipleship, uh, the most, uh, the greatest discipleship influence, he tried to say as a guy who hosts a podcast, the greatest discipleship influence comes from in the home. And I honestly think too, the way that, you know, I see my wife, you know, we're, we're just sort of getting started in the discipleship process, right? Uh, you know, we've moved on from uh, being able to play some Christian music in the back while we change a diaper to being enough, right? Like it's beginning to count. <laughs> um, and the way that I see my wife being able to share with my daughter, being able to level with her and talk through things with her, uh, incredibly inspirational to me. I hope that the moms out there hear the opportunity that exists even right now, even when you're working with a five-year-old to keep that long game in mind because you mm -hmm. know, it's going to pay off. I'm curious, you know, you guys are obviously connected to thousands of moms through your organization, right? Tens of thousands of moms through the broader organization, but you both have such a key influence and lens into your church specific audience, right? You guys have both church and non-specific, non-church specific groups. Do you feel like the church has gotten better at supporting moms? Do you feel like you've seen progress in how the churches are now trying to connect with your organization, for example, um, in supporting moms? Because I think we've recognized for generations how important this work is, but I feel like we're just now starting being able to really kind of get into it and really kind of do it. Or is that a, or is that, or am I mansplaining? Um, <laughs> like we've gotten there any more than we've been there in the past? Well, you know, I think it's interesting this year because it's it's been such a challenge for so many pastors as they're just dealing with so many just real tangible needs like rent and, and their congregation just being in need and job loss. And so to watch pastors navigate that and then also champion moms and recognize that there's there's so much burden there and that oftentimes the mom does take on a lot of the tangible burden from the day to day piece. And so I think that there, there has been a lot of growth, but I think there's definitely so much more growth that does need to happen there. And I think that this, that COVID has provided a unique opportunity for us to have these conversations with pastors and, and has unveiled a lot of, of opportunity for us to continue growth in that way. And I'm hopeful that after a lot of the stay at home orders have passed and things like that, when we can safely gather again, that there'll be a greater opportunity to have these conversations as mm. pastors are looking to re-engage moms and young families in their neighborhoods. So I do think that there has been a lot of growth, but there's definitely room for a lot more. And I think we're going to see a lot of opportunity for that next year. I like that. Would you agree? Yeah. Sure. That's my hope and prayer. Before I came to work for Mop Staff, I was the women's ministry director at my church in Denver. And so I, th I think we have come a long way for women um, because before I think there was just a lot of like, do your Bible study. That's all that matters. And then go be the best mom you can be. And at MOPS, we, we've really, we do believe it's one of our, it's not just a tagline. We say better moms make a better world, mm -hmm. but we really believe that it's not yeah. just on the graphic, but we really believe that with all <laughs> our heart. And I, I believe think it. And I don't work for you guys. Yeah. 
Well, Sorry, and I think because of that, we can teach moms to disciple their children. And, um, and I, I, we try and teach them to look at the big picture and choose. So what is your legacy? What is it that you want to leave your children? And then you work backwards from there. Sure. And I think the church, if we can get more pastors to understand that we're helping develop families, because I always tell them when I get the chance to speak to our pastors, I say, if you want to grow your church, start a mops group. I can guarantee you, you will have young families. They will learn from you. You will be discipling them. We see this over and over. You know, the mom comes to mops and maybe she has a relationship with Christ and maybe she doesn't, but soon she's strengthened her relationship if she already had one or she accepts Christ for the first time. And I, you know, got to do that for years and pray with women as they receive Christ through the MOPS program. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden their kids are like, daddy, daddy, we love church because it's so fun. And they're doing the Awana program and they're doing all the Puggles uh, curriculum and they love it. And then all of a sudden dad's like, I better check out where my wife and kids are going every week. And they're just crazy about it. And then I see these families two years later and they're serving and they're giving and they're at this intricate part of the local church. And I think we've partnered really well with that. And when the, Mm -hmm. when the pastors get it, man, do they have the best communities because they get the importance of pouring into these young families Mm -hmm. and it starts with mops. Absolutely. I think it's interesting the ways in which our um, both of our organizations are able to keep, you know, are focused on a long game. Right. And I think in a sort of instant gratification culture, right. It becomes increasingly more important mm. for organizations like mobs, organizations like Awana to be able to elevate the conversation around their work so that folks are reminded that, you know, emotional health takes a while or connection might be, something that you, you can't just get by liking something on Facebook. Like you actually need to see someone. Right. Right. But I, I'm also mindful, you know, and I'll share, I'll start with you on this, that there's also my biggest misconception with mops wasn't that it was a, you know, suburban mom only thing, but that it was a young mom only thing. Right. What's different about parenting a teenager or mom being a mom of a teenager, being a mom of a full, <laughs> full grown, fully functional adult. Um, and how can mops serve that population as well? Well, um, for your audience, they couldn't see my face when you said teenagers, because as I said, I've had four, um, I still have (laughs) one. And so here, here's what I would say about it. You start as a young mom in mops, and then we have what we call moms next. And it's really geared for that, like next sort of mom in the middle before your kids are independent and off to college, but they're like young grade schoolers and their needs are a little bit different. So we, we recognize that. And we recognize that moms still needed community, no matter what age their kids were. And so we have this moms next and their curriculum focuses more on like how to work with a growing child, how to work Mm -hmm. with, you know, the different needs, what, this, does my sixth grader need a cell phone? The, those types of connections at the table are really important. And then we have the mentor mom. And the mentor mom isn't necessarily like an older mom, but they are farther along in the journey, okay, okay. of mothering. And our hope is that each mop's table 
has a mentor mom that can say sort of been there, done that. I survived. My kid did not go to college in diapers. I promise you it's going to be okay, Michelle. You will sleep again. Thank um, you. And so we have this um, young mom middle to then more mentoring because we realize that moms, I'm always going to be Justin Spencer Taylor and Lexi's mom Yeah. forever. Yeah. I'm their mom. And so what I need to provide for them along the way looks different as they age and mature and start their own lives, but I'm still their mom. And so MOPS provides a way for each place. We pour into that young mom specifically, but there is room at the table for mothering across those spectrums. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really also a very unique thing that we offer. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I want to make sure that people, you know, uh, this is a sermon of mine. I'm, I'm a foster parent and, awesome. but it's always true about the foster communities that people look at that world and they go, Oh no. Right. They like look for ways to say no. And what I hope people hear in conversations like this is like, don't look for ways to say no, like look for a way yeah. to say yes. Right. Like you are, you know, obviously there's, I'm speaking a bit out of turn here because I, I don't, I'm not actually part of MOPS and I can't speak to a mops uh, table. I wouldn't be invited for obvious reasons, uh, but take the time to get, to get connected, to see what you can be offered because it is worth it. And you to our conversation earlier, earlier, your ability to be connected is worth it. And your kids mm -hmm. and your husband and the, and your, and your mom and the people in your life will thank you for it. I think it's really important, especially for folks who have, you know, been with us for this entire conversation. Um, I think there's a, a bit of a broken conversation around parenting and I think it's more common around dads, but I think it's true for moms too, where the conversation around parenting is, man, this is hard. You know, this stinks, this stinks. It's all real challenging. I haven't slept in years. And then for some reason we go to a baby shower to celebrate that. Right. And I think I see that in a lot of my, you know, cause my wife and I, you know, I'm 29. Uh, my wife and I were sort of first out of the gate in the parenting journey. And I'm seeing a lot of my friends now who are becoming dads for the first time who are getting a lot mm -hmm. of that negative feedback. Like, oh mm -hmm. no, you're about to experience the greatest joy of your life, right? Like that's, it's a weird thing that we do. I want to try to elevate any conversation I can about how awesome being a parent is. Mm -hmm. How it's much more than just taglines about the greatest job you're ever going to have. That it really is the best thing that God's ever done in my life. And obviously for both of you as well. So allow me to ask a question that is quite literally impossible to answer, but I think it's a right, <laughs> it's the right place to leave uh, this part of this conversation, which is just, what's the best part about being a mom? Uh, maybe the better way to, or the more fair way to ask this is what's the best part about being a mom today? It's hard to answer that question, but it's hard because there's so many choices. Sure. And I, you know, exactly like what you said, I think the narrative so often is, children are an imposition or children are a hindrance in this culture where, you know, independence is the ultimate. And so I think the best part for me is when they look at me and smile and just, it's such a representation of the relationship that you have between one another. And my kiddos are so little. And so they don't often, well, one of them can't talk, but the other one doesn't often explain feelings in depth either. Right. But just being able to laugh and smile at one another and, and just, it's a simple beauty that God has provided through parenthood and motherhood. And it's a relationship like nothing else. And I think that's my favorite part. Brings me great joy. It. Yeah. How about for you? 
I love being a mom. It is truly the greatest. I would say it's the best gig ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yes, it can be hard at times, but I think people for some reason, and they've wanted to focus on, oh, it's so hard. And I believe God designed us to do hard things. And what I love, we, for some reason, my husband and I decided when we first had Justin that we were going to enjoy every step of the way, because even back then we would hear people say, oh, you're never going to go get to do this. You don't get to do that. And we're like, why? That's a choice. And so we made a choice early on that we would take our kids everywhere. They would travel with us. They've traveled the world. Our only rule was that you could, you had to put in your backpack, what you could actually carry. Nice. So once you were about three, you could take your little travel bag and you could come with us, but you had to carry it. And, um, I think that has served us well. We, we just said, we're going to enjoy every step of the way. And today we said, what made you happy today? I uh, have gotten a phone call from each one of my kids. Two of them are actually in the house today. Uh, but it's just been so beautiful to have meaningful conversation, even though I've had this really busy day with work, to pause and just hear their voice and hear that they wanted to ask me a question that they value my opinion. And each one of them at the end said, love you, mom. Gosh, how I can go to bed, sleep really well tonight. <laughs> love you, mom. Yeah. That, that's what it's all about. Like We love them and they love us and it's a beautiful thing. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.